everyone, my name is Grace Valentine and welcome back to another edition of the I'm Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Grace Valentine. I'm so excited that you are joining in today. I have two of my newer friends, Jeff and Nate, on the podcast I think you will learn a lot from. If you don't know who I am, I am a podcast hoster, I am a blogger, I'm an author, speaker, and but most importantly, I'm a friend. So I'm excited for you to join us and to hear what they have to say. So today on the podcast, I have two newer friends, and yes, these are the first two guys that have ever been on the I'm Tired podcast, so we'll see if I'm still friends with them after what they say today, but it is Jeff and Nate. Say hi to everyone. How's it going? Great to be here. Yeah, Grace, thanks for having us. Yes, I'm excited to have y'all, and so this idea kind of came after a couple months of uh, prayer and meditation, (laughs) but thought process, but really, and then um, at Jeff's birthday party, he was talking about things he's learned, haven't you, Jeff? Yeah, that's right, Grace. We were uh, definitely talking about that specific topic. Yeah. How old are you? 26 years old. Yes. 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 How does it feel? Feels uh, about the same as the first 25. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's new. And so, yeah, we were an Irish little small uh, get-together, and it was a great time, right, Nate? It was. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun to see Jeff and his element, which uh, would definitely be Irish setting. Irish cynic, I know. But anyways, we were joking about the things that we've learned growing up, um, especially by Jeff hitting this big mark of 26. And so there's a lot of wisdom gained by 26. Do you feel wiser? I actually do. Yeah, wow. I've actually been really leaning into it for about five days now. So mm. really excited <laughs> to see what the rest of the year holds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nate, how old are you, by the way? I, don't I am I also 26, okay. but uh, 26 and then more than five days. But you, okay, I don't mean to like, call you out on this, uh-huh. but like, you just graduated college, right? Yeah, I did. I graduated, well, two yeah. two springs ago. Two springs. Oh, yeah. that's not just graduated. Yeah, but I'm, still, I was, in, I was in college for a little while. Yeah, yeah. hey, uh-huh. so that, to all my college people out there, yeah, yeah sometimes. You can do it too. Better I, I was a super ever. senior too, so you actually have two guys that really oh. spent our undergrad well. Yeah. Wow. It really embraces it. That's extra wisdom that they've gained then from whether in high school or college. And so I've asked them to kind of prepare things that they've learned throughout their wise and long years of life. And so I'm excited for what they got out to say. And so I'm letting Jeff hit one of his first points first. So Jeff, what have you learned so far in these years? Yeah, so uh, we're just going to dive right in here. So one of my first points, and this is one that has been uh, more on my mind lately, being in my 20s, um, is that your 20s are about more than finding a spouse, which is something that I've just kind of been mulling over as someone that's pretty regularly single. Um, regularly. I, regularly, I mean indefinitely. Depends on the day. Saturday nights, I'm not <laughs> single. Like. No, just uh, as someone that hasn't dated, like you're usually surrounded by a lot of culture that says like, oh, you're in your 20s, like, you know, you got to be looking for Mr. and Mrs. Right. And I haven't really leaned into that as much as I've leaned into some like other aspects of what it is to, you know, I look at it as part of my faith. Like, what is it to be a Christ follower first? rather than, you know, looking for a spouse right out of college. And that's not to demean anyone that met their spouse in college or even as a high school sweetheart or someone that's currently dating and looking to cross that bridge in life. I think that is an important thing to do, but I don't think it's the ultimate thing that we're called to be doing. Um, so well, what is the ultimate thing we're called to be doing? To, Since I'm not supposed to go around looking for a spouse. <laughs> we'll get to yeah. that. Well, okay. <laughs> shout out to Navigators Ministries to know Christ and to make him known. Um, <laughs> Or if you want to get into the Westminster Catechism, we could do that. That would yeah. be ultra nerdy, so we won't. But um, Was there a time you struggled and you thought, like, okay, my 20s are supposed to be about this, like finding a spouse? I don't think it ever really hit me as a struggle as I, much as... It hit as, me as a struggle, so that's that's great for you. That you yeah, hasn't. I'm definitely, okay like, on. I'm an odd one out when it comes to this topic, which is kind of why I feel led to speak about it, is that, you know, this is kind of what... I've experienced, and it's different than what a lot of people have experienced, I think, because it's been a topic that I think I've had to counsel friends through, that people have talked to me about personally of, you know, it's just like, oh, I'm trying the day, I'm trying to find the one, and we can even get the the one, yeah, we can even get the the one, one. I think, think, who did I debunk that with recently, um, (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I've talked to someone about that. Oh, well, let, someone on my podcast at the Christian Dating, she was saying how. Did you listen to that one? I believe so, yeah. And she's like, there's no such thing as the one. I feel like that puts a lot of pressure on one person that one yeah. person can't be. Nate, you agree? Yeah, I think so. I think... You think you're not? So. For sure. I mean, well, no, I mean, it's kind of tricky when you get into it. I think it's like a lot of definitions and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think like if we're talking about... like I don't think we have soulmates in the sense of like someone that our soul is like 
supposed to be attached to. I mean, that we do, but that's God, and that's mm. Jesus. Amen. Um, but I mean, that I don't think that means that like God doesn't have a plan for yeah. or like who we're gonna end up with in like marriage. Yeah, and also you're talking to three single people here right True. now, so maybe we're a little <laughs> a different mindset. <laughs> But so I think it's interesting that that was your point that your 20s isn't supposed to because I think the you're you're in a, you have Christian friends, right? Many of them. Many yes. of them. And so um and that you have Christian friends too. You're involved yeah, in like Christian. Yeah, probably friends. yeah, mostly, maybe too many. Yeah, too many. Gosh, to gosh. Yeah. <laughs> cut them, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jesus only had 12, like yeah, you got to go. Sure. <laughs> but and I think I went to Baylor, which is a Christian university, and I saw so many people actually stressed about that. Even, like, young girls in my sorority would be like, I mean, by the time I'm a senior, I really hope, like, I have someone, so I'm following him to where he's going to go. And I'm like, okay, that's maybe not healthy to have that expectation or even the mentality that you're supposed to wait on someone, which, like, yes, you're supposed to wait, but I think the culture has made it to be that you're waiting and therefore you're waiting on like your dreams, like your life, what God has called you to today because you're waiting for someone else. Do you agree or disagree? I think I agree. You think? I, I'm not sure if I entirely follow. I don't it, even right? know if, yeah. <laughs> yeah but... no, this is when I go rants too. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, what I, I'll just kind of throw in what I think and you can tell me whether yeah. this confirms or denies your theory. But one structure of thinking about that particular topic that worked really well for me in college, even though I wasn't really in the dating rhythm so much, is that someone kind of gave me this layout of, you know, you have you have your master, you have your mission, and then mm-hmm. you have your mate in life. And so realistically, these are all kind of in a hierarchical order of, you know, let's find our master first. Like, you know, when is... When has the Lord called you to himself first? When have you become a disciple of him first and foremost? And once we've done that, I do think that through the process of sanctification, if you want to get theological about it, but even if just If someone for, doesn't know what sanctification is, can you define it? Uh, if we do, so we do want to go there. So we have what we call justification, which is, you know, what we could talk about as being, you know, justified at the cross by what Jesus did, giving his life uh, for our sin. And so that basically means you're, you're now right with God. You know, the penalty has been paid. Your punishment was taken at the cross. Now, sanctification is kind of this idea. And I am not a pastor, so don't take this mm-hmm. as the ultimate authority mm-hmm. at all. But sanctification, under my understanding of it, is this life that we lead with a renewed and regenerated heart that basically pushes us in the direction of a Holy Spirit-led life. So based on what Jesus has done through his justification, sanctification then comes to take us further and further down this road towards being more and more like Christ through each and every day. And it affects all aspects of our lives. And so that's why I think it's important to also bring that into the dating mm-hmm. realm. Uh, so does that, does that make yeah. sense? No. Yeah, no. Any thought? No, it does. It no. does make sense. And I was just having that explained for other people. Mm-hmm. But so now, like, so how does that make the idea that, like, your 20s aren't about finding a spouse. How does that make dating look differently? Like, are you saying yep. don't date, that you're supposed to just court, that you're supposed to just, like, you know, what? what is your goal? Like, Yeah, so I'm not a Josh Harris kiss dating goodbye. Like, I'm not, yeah. here, I'm not he, here to he open up. He denounced that book. Exactly. I'm not here to reopen that can of worms because, yeah, I do think there was some, like, dangerously rigid rules for dating. And I personally don't believe that dating has any rules. And... What I mean by that is everyone has their own set of rules and it gets very confusing trying to like figure out, you know, like, oh, is there like, you know, three dates and then we can kiss or is there like five (laughs) dates and then she's my girlfriend or like those things don't really exist. Those are all constructs in each of our individual minds. If you even have them, I've tried to get rid of them because I think they're burdensome. But at the same time, kind of going back to that structure I was talking about before, you know, that's the master portion. And then this mission portion Uh, You can even get into the idea of vocation, what you're going to do for work. But it's like, what direction is the Lord leading you? Because I feel like we start putting, like, our mate ahead of our mission. Like, your mate is supposed to complement your mission. Like, God is going to provide you with someone that's going to take you on this joint journey towards something that's great for both of you. And so if we are too quick to idolize the idea of a relationship or even a particular person that we want to be in relationship with, it can almost divert us from that mission that he may be calling us to. And so that's why I like to t- use that framework because it really puts the, this idea that we talk about a lot of like chemistry or is this the right person for mm-hmm. me? It's like, well, first, like instead of taking all this time to get to know somebody else, take a step back and get to know yourself a little bit first. 
and really dive into what's the identity that the Lord has for you and how can you push your life in that direction and see who's going to come alongside you in that. And so realistically, if you're dating, I think you should be dating to find a spouse. But more importantly, that spouse should be someone you like. <laughs> like you should get along. Like that's where the mate, the, the mate portion comes in and like, what does that chemistry look like? Because um, I do believe that people are meant to complement each other well. But ultimately, what's your mission? Like when you become, when you come together, when you become one flesh, that mission is now a joint mission with the two of you becoming one. And so that's the beauty and the design that I think that the Lord's laid out for us as Christians dating. Now, if you want to get into the tactics and specifics of like, how do we date? That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and we might get there at some point. Nate, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I mean, I agree. Retweet all that. Um, <laughs> I do think I, I, I like that idea of like dating to find someone to like enter into a mission with you as to like what God's called us to. I think that's like, that's something that I probably really didn't think of in terms of dating, like growing up for most of my life until um, I think I really understood the gospel. So um, I think that's like almost the underlining thing that uh, in terms of, I guess, like a standard to look for when dating. So this reminds me, so I recently had to do eighth grade uh, purity day here at... Yikes. <laughs> do they still pass out rings for that? <laughs> no, I think they, they, this year they didn't make them write letters to their future. <laughs> but uh, oh, some of the kids, and there was an like open Q&A with the guys and the girls, which, uh. I, which most of the guys didn't take it seriously, and everyone's like, they're taking it seriously. I'm like, no, they are not <laughs> taking it seriously. You're just trying to make me squirm like, in my seat. But there was one little boy, and I think... It, it honestly brought perspective to me because he asked, oh, do girls, like, care about personality or looks more? And I was like, okay, it's, like, hmm. it's both. Like, you have to be physically attracted to someone. It doesn't mean that they're, like, have to be Liam Hensworth or Zach Afron, but, uh, like, just, like, y'all want that. But it was interesting to hear that, like, guys at the same time are curious. And also, I don't mean to, like, be like, y'all are insecure. Hmm. But they struggle, too, with the comparison. They struggle with... Uh, what is my purpose for dating? Like I even like maybe even struggling with singleness that it's not just a girl thing that we're just like all waiting on a guy and like, oh, we like struggle with guys. Like guys struggle with girls too. It may look differently, but mm -hmm. it's still a struggle that men have. And so I, even when I was hearing that eighth grade boy and hearing y'all today be like, okay, this is something I've learned in life. Like now you're maybe sitting great in your thoughts, but something that guys struggle with too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I, I think it's common for, I mean, even Christian guys who uh, really should probably be more open with uh, where they're coming from, where their heart's at, to kind of hide away and bury that stuff in terms of like hurt in relationships or uh, expectations. But um, no, I think it's definitely it looks. I think it looks different in either of the genders, but yeah. it's definitely there. So how is it different? So what is like a difference that it is for guys versus girls? Are you talking just comparison in general? I'm saying um, even when like, so when girls struggle with singleness, they'll like mope around, listen to Taylor Swift, and they'll mm. complain about their day. And then they'll, I've had girls email me too recently on the Ask Grace portion and be like, oh, my friends are dating someone who sucks. Mm. Um, and like, what, like, how do I like wait for a man? I've had even like a young girl message me saying, I've met my future husband. He sits ahead of me at church. He just doesn't know it yet. And so, and like, <laughs> yep. like, yeah. and like, I know she meant that with the sweetest intentions if she's listening, but mm -hmm. it's sometimes girls do it in a not healthy way. And sometimes they do it in a healthy way, but they're upset about it. Like, I think, um, sometimes guys will then like go on like, okay, the way they handle struggling with being single is, and they date around a lot. Mm. Um, and maybe that's a agree or disagree. Mm. Not everyone. Well, I would, okay, so this is how I would kind of jump into this conversation yeah. is if you're struggling with your singleness, not to devalue that struggle, but it might be because it's like you're, you're not there yet for a relationship. Yeah. And this kind of leans into like the idea of what I was talking about. Like it's more like your 20s about more than finding your spouse. Like your youth is about more than just finding a mate in life. Like it really comes down to this idea of like, how do we deal with our own identity? How do we deal with the insecurities that underlie that identity? Mm -hmm. And it's those insecurities that always draw out comparison. So the way that I looked at it, and this is guys, I think similar to girls, um, we often get, I are drawn into comparison in areas that we, or where other people see value. So for guys growing up, especially 
um, athleticism, sports, uh, titles, talents. You find a place where, and I think everyone does this, where do I find my value? Where do other people see value in me? And how do I maximize that to the ultimate effect? And so this pretty much strokes our sinful pride into thinking, this is all that I am. Mm. And as soon as that area of our life that we put on this pedestal gets threatened, that's when the insecurity sets in. That's where the struggle sets in. And so if you're struggling with being single, my idea is that you're probably placing that relationship in an incorrect order of your priority because mm. your identity is so much more than whoever you might be dating. Mm -hmm. That is one way that I think that we push our insecurities onto somebody else. You create mm. codependency. You create all these other kinds of issues that basically the underlying aspect of it is that there's something in your life that you're not happy with. So who's going to come, like if it's a relationship, who's going to come in and fill that void for me because I don't feel significant based on X, Y, Z, like whatever mm. it might be. And it's different for everybody. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're the nerd, it might be like, oh, I'm starting to get B's and C's like my insecurities are going to set in. If you're the mm -hmm. jock and you're aging and it's like, oh man, I rolled my ankle or I can't play pickup sports as well anymore <laughs> with my boys. Mm -hmm. Like your, your identity as an athlete is becoming threatened. So really as Christians, like grounding our identity in gospel and the Christ and in Christ saying like, my identity is that I am a disaster. <laughs> I am a broken person. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, guys struggle, I think, with pride and competency. For me personally, those are the two biggest ones. Like, who am I and why is, Why am I important? And what am I good at? And how do I stay good at it and look good at it in other people's eyes? Like, if those two things are being met, then I can, like, hide my insecurity. But to get to the deeper root of it, it's how can I admit my brokenness mm. and work from that? So I like what you're saying because – I think it's something important for everyone to hear that sin is sin at the end of the day. Like whether you're a guy or a girl, like brokenness is the same. It doesn't look different. It's not dressed different. It doesn't one wear pink, one wear blue. Like brokenness and sin are the same thing. And if you are struggling with singleness, that there's an underlying sin in your identity and you're forgetting where your perspective should be. And so I think that's something that some for some people it takes time to learn. Like. Jeff kind of said, like, through this life that you've kind of realized, okay, 20s aren't supposed to be about this, and this is something that's important, that I have this wisdom, and I've seen other people struggle with it, and now this is what I learned. Um, and I've noticed for me in my life that it – I think recently someone was like, oh, like, was trying to group me in, like, some Bible study, like, oh, like, me and Grace both struggle with singleness. I was like, I don't really struggle with singleness. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm kind of doing fine. Like, I was struggle. like – I was, but I think we all just – there is a point where everyone does feel a little bit of an insecurity when you are around circles where everyone – because you're like, should I be doing this? Is this mm -hmm. the set plan for me? But going back to what you said about the mission, like you're supposed to find someone like on your mission that complements your mission, that doesn't like take away your mission. Um, and I think more girls struggle with that. Yes, you're supposed to be submissive to your husband, but your ultimate goal is to submit to a husband who loves God. I think it says that in the passage. It goes like, if the husband's submitting to God, then you submit him to him and you trust his leadership. At the same time, you also have such a personal goal to to know Christ and make him known. And that's that. But so, Nate, what is one of your points What's that you up? learned? It can um, be something fun. It can be something uh, <laughs> theological. You can debate. I have both. Okay. Um, so say your first two then. All right. So, well, the first one will be quick because I think it's something everyone knows. And that is that the uh, the pizzaing method for skiing literally never works. So you said everyone knows that, but I I was I hope you know when you sent that bullet point in. Uh -huh. I I don't know skiing. And oh, so I don't head, either. I was okay, okay. I don't either. It's I I've only been of, like, skiing pizza, but it's not pizza. No, it's a uh, yeah. So I've only been skiing twice, but I went to ski school the first time because mm -hmm. yeah, why not? And uh, ski school. Well, at least you like cared <laughs> enough to like really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, just really learn. studious. Um, <laughs> And they taught you the pizza method, which is just to point your skis together and make a little pizza slice. And oh, I, I get it now. Yeah, the yeah. Triangle. And so I went down the slopes the the first time. Oh, this which is the like first time skiing snow ever. Skiing. Yeah, not yeah. Water skiing. No, no, no. Uh -uh. no it can't. really wouldn't work. <laughs> it really, really would not go <laughs> well. Do I was not like, try that's pizza. That's what I was you... thinking of. That's why I was like, ski lessons. Oh uh, no, 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 like, no, no, really Um But yeah, I think I fell like 15 times trying to do the pizza method the first time down, and then slowly learn that you should just carve so that's so that's been a big like, lesson yeah you're just yeah kind of yeah this hand motion going on right yeah. now y'all can't see you can, it yeah but. post a video um <laughs> but then the other another thing that i've learned um is really just the importance uh that i've seen in praying honestly and authentically really wherever you're at 
Um, I was raised Christian, so I've been a Christian for. Uh, I, we can, I don't know if we can get into that. Congrats. That's like, yeah, no, no, yeah. no keep <laughs> but, saying it. I was joking. So um, was that's joke. <laughs> kind of a gray area, I guess, on when exactly. But um, I think my mindset for so long was that, oh, I'm a Christian, so I need to make sure that my prayers are like correct, mm-hmm. and like that my prayers are coming from the right place. Like, I, I can't be coming to God when I'm angry or mad at somebody. Like, I need to make sure that I'm like all checked out before I go and like commune with God. And that's like, I mean, that's just like literally the opposite of the gospel. Yeah. Um, which is so cool because I, I mean, we've talked about it before. I think we talked a little bit before we started the podcast, but just the idea of being like fully known and fully loved, uh, means that we can come to God and we, I mean, we can't come to God in any other way, but in our brokenness and, um, and commune with him. And so that's just been, that's been really big in my life. Um, I, how so, yeah, I think, well, I mean, just from like a general standpoint, I really feel like I've, um, just like in any human relationship, you're not going to get close to somebody if you're not being authentic and mm-hmm. being superficial. And so in that same sense, my relationship with God has really grown a lot. And there is this kind of hard to explain like intimacy in prayer mm-hmm. um, that I feel. And um, it's also just, like I've seen like my own like desires and heart kind of aligned more with, I think, what his are um, in those moments of prayer. Um, yeah, I, it's just been really, um, it's been really impactful for me. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we say, like, relationships, one of the main reasons people break up in a relationship is bad communications, and I think, same, when we aren't communicating with Christ and we forget to acknowledge him when we are tempted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even go back to one of my favorite passages in the Bible or when Jesus came back and he's talking to Thomas, and Thomas is like, I think in the upper room, if I'm wrong, please correct. No, no, sorry. What? Is that wrong? Okay, you're okay. I was like, okay, it's okay. I was thinking. I'm not always right. Okay. Anyways, but when Thomas is like, okay, well, if it is you, let me see your hands. And then he shows him the nails. And he was like, I'm not going to believe this. I appreciate that about Thomas because he goes, I know I need this. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying we should come and test God. It's not accurate or biblical to be like, God, if this is you, like, make it rain Tuesday. But (laughs) (laughs) but I think you have to, if you understand, like, if you're honest in your prayers, like, God, right now I'm struggling, like, show me, like, a sign of your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. I've learned in my relationship with Christ, at least, that helps me be able to feel his presence more and mm-hmm. keep my perspective back on him because I'm being honest that right now I'm struggling to believe in you and I'm doubting you a lot. Yeah. Um, I know you can meet me wherever I am. Please mm-hmm. meet me. And so that's something I know that I've had to do in my 20s, especially working in ministry, because I feel like I'm always saying the right answers to other people, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should do that. That's bad, but something I struggle with, saying the right answers but not believing them. Yeah. So it's been having to go like an internal like process. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't tell you the number of times I've prayed like, hey, God, I don't want to pray at all right now and really don't want to talk to you, and maybe like I'm even mad at you. Yeah. And yada, yada, yada. And like that's just – I think that just – there's just like a bond that develops and it's almost cathartic mm. to do that. And I think there's something like important just practically speaking and like hearing yourself process that stuff out loud. Mm. And cause sometimes I'll pray and I'll just be like, wow, that was, that was dumb. Idiot. I'm yeah. being so dumb. <laughs> yeah. I'm being way too dramatic, <laughs> but it also just reminds me like every time I'm honest in prayer, it just reminds me of one, my brokenness, but that, I mean, immediately turns us to how much God loves us and that, we can bring him our broken, like everything that's wrong with us. And he's like still there and not going to turn away from us. And he hears our Mm. prayers. Um, So yeah, that's been big. Yeah. It's, it's so, it blows my mind to even think that like God hears my prayers. It's not like he just like, I write a letter and it's like five business days. He gets back to me, but he like, is like (laughs) that he's listening and he cares deeply about where I'm at um, and not, who I can be, because I think, I, I kind of said this earlier, like, my biggest fear is always people knowing the, like, m- the depths of my not perfections. Mm-hmm. I can't even say it. I'm so not perfect that I can't say perfectionism. <laughs> but people knowing that I don't have it all together, but, like, that's the most important part of the relationship with God is you're mm-hmm. the, never revolved around you being the hero, never revolved around you having it together, that you're not the main character, so you need to bring your brokenness and bring all the crap that you're dealing with to him honestly in order to develop that relationship to everything it can be. Yeah. And same thing with, like, community, that you need to have this honest relationship um, mm-hmm. in order to understand that. So, yeah. Jeff, do you have any other points that you've learned? Yeah, so you kind of tagged along onto that one. So community is not built into your life. You have to help create it. Um, I like that. Say that again. For 
Loud and proud. <laughs> Community is not built into your life. You have to help create it. I mm, love that that's point. That's good. Mm, yeah, so mm, this, preach. this is for those of you graduating college or recently joining the workforce because uh, for the majority of your youth, I mean, we can all look back and evaluate our childhoods. Probably at some point you had, you know, after you leave college, you know, you don't have classmates anymore. You don't really have like groups or clubs. You don't have, um, you know, a sports team that you're probably on. And so there's still things you can, you can join a rec league. You can do, you know, things like that. But the majority of your interaction is going to be at work. Most of you will join the working world. Hate to tell you that, but it's coming. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> Unless you get married and become a mom right after. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably three times the work that you will do yes, in any right, office right. environment. So, Good answer, Jeff. <laughs> you, you're better so than me. I'm just saying, if that's your calling, go for it. But That's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, I, I don't know if I'm signed up to be a stay-at-home dad. Like <laughs> Homemakers, that's, that's a big job. Um, so anyway, the idea of what is, what is it to be in community, um, one verse that sticks on my heart, this is actually uh, one that we've memorized in college, but I wrote it down today because I don't know if I still have it memorized. Um, but it's Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, that is really kind of the heart of where I see community um, and this idea of like, you know, in Hebrews is being addressed that we should not give up meeting together. Like there is meant to be community. We're meant to be in relationship. That is God's good design for us. And so when you no longer have that prescribed to you through school or activities or your parents setting up play dates, your initiative and your intentionality really has to increase and I feel like in a lot of my friends in their 20s, what we kind of initially experienced out of college was, oh, I don't know what to do with all the, like, not all this leisure time, because you don't have a lot of leisure time, but that also increases the intentionality you need to take with that extra time. Who do I want to spend time with? What do we want to do? Like, how is this pushing and challenging me as a person in my own personal development? Uh, whether that's career-wise, do you have a mentor? Is it friendship-wise? Is it relationally? Like, you know, is there someone that you want to date? How do you set aside time to truly get to know those people? And um, that's kind of the premise of what I think it is to, you know, seek out community. And it's on you to take initiative to say, I want to show up to this thing and it's going to be uncomfortable the first time. Like, you're going to be a fish out of water at a lot of events to, like, start that. But... One thing I've loved about being here in Orlando during this time that Grace has joined us and become part of our community is that, like, we have all kind of vowed to do this together. Like, you know, we're going to have dinner with each other at each other's houses. We're going to meet up. We're going to go to concerts. We're going to play volleyball. Whatever it is that gets us up and out of those rhythms that work will set you in, that's where we're able to take the initiative and create some community. Yeah, and I, so was it hard for you at first, would you say, personally, when you moved back? Because you're from Orlando, correct? Correct. From Orlando, so definitely not as hard for me as it would be for a transplant. And I yeah. also, small plug. Year. Yeah. Uh, I have small. it harder. <laughs> True, yeah. Um, like, until you have someone that kind of invites you in, it can be really hard to initiate those moments of, mm -hmm. um, you know, finding relationship with people and building that into community. Um, one thing I would say about that, if you are a transplant, like, and you're a Christian, find a local church close to you that you want to invest in, that you want to be a part of, that you truly want to go to probably more than just on Sunday morning, because those people are believers. They can be your church family. They can help connect you to the greater community. And I think that's part of our call as Christians is to build up and uh, help others flourish as well. Mm -hmm. So that's just a little aside. But growing up in Orlando, yeah, I'm like, I, I have community here. Um, a lot of them have moved away. Like, my community here in my 20s looks vastly different than it did when I grew up. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Yes. So I have probably, you know, three or four close friends in Orlando, which is still a so great So did I not blessing. make the cut? I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm, joking. <laughs> I'm not going to say joking. which three or four. But there are still some here that I would count as, like, <laughs> close, lifelong friends. Um <laughs> You're getting there, Grace. Maybe know, after this. Okay, you know, after we, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see, see where we go. We'll see where we go. We'll see but, um, yeah, just that's helpful. 
But, like, Nate, how long have we known each other? Two years? Dude, I, has it been? I don't even think it's been two years. Yeah, maybe oh, a year and a half. Feels like it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so God, it's tell like... Me. Tell me your story. Oh, That's so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 20s ministry, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. which also looked very different. <laughs> yeah. You'll just, like, sit by each <laughs> other one day. Like. No, we have a couple friends that are kind of super connectors that really just bring people in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anyone does strengths finders, but there's like relators and then there's connectors and includers. I'm more of a relator. I got to pick a couple people and go deep. Some people are includers where they just like, let's just get all these people and pack them into a room and see who likes each other. Um, not romantically, just like who, who becomes friends out of that. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, we just have a couple of really good people that do that where it's yeah. like, let's just invite them to everything. Let's get them in the door. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so when that happened, mm-hmm. um, Nate and I became friends through, Aww, through that kind of natural, mm-hmm. you know, community building exercise of let's get everyone in a room together and then, you know, yeah. you'll see who and you'll Nate, like. And you're from Orlando, right? I am. Yeah. I've been here since I was two years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So was it hard coming back and finding community or do you agree you know, that you had to create it? It, it was tough. Um, so I went to University of Florida, go Gators. Um for college and had a great community there with uh, crew ministry. Just had a lot of really solid close friends, and I mean it's college, so we're literally hanging out every day um, and just doing a, like having a lot of fun. And uh, I mean a great Bible study too. So it's just a great community all around. And so it was tough coming here initially because it was I mean the expectation I think what you're told essentially is like hey, yeah you're gonna leave college and you're never gonna have that again. You're not gonna have intentional community and so the first few months were definitely tough but um did people say that to you like why did you believe that because people told me <laughs> yeah I think <laughs> like, I mean that it, lie come from I mean or, it kind of it's kind of true in a way though yeah it, I mean it it's is different the same. it's different it's, de- it's definitely different um and I think the idea of working nine to five is kind of like well what am I going to do just hang out with people after work which actually happens a lot but um yeah I think just had just talking with a lot of people and hearing them say yeah, community after college is just kind of not there. Like, mm-hmm. expect to have, a, like, a lot of lonely nights. And <laughs> so it's, like, it's is, it is, um, is pretty tough to hear that. And um, there's definitely the first few months uh, some of that where it was tough to find community. But, yeah, I think just getting plugged in, like Jeff was talking about, with a, uh, with a church, a local church, and meeting people through that, and then just really being intentional um, with your time and, you know, I think we get caught up a lot. I know I can get caught up um, wanting people to uh, desire friendship with me. And so I'll wait for them to text me or I'll wait for them to call me. <laughs> you play hard to because, get. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say hard to get, but more just like desiring that. And so I miss an opportunity. Wanting to feel wanted, as yeah. Hayes would say. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I think I miss opportunities or I have missed opportunities to reach out to someone who probably is desiring the same thing. Um, so I think it, yeah, I think it's really important to to be intentional because, I mean, it is true, like, after college, it's not like you're doing everyday things with these people. You are you have to make the time and you have to um, put in effort to actually yeah. d- develop that community that you – and, I mean, now I can say that uh, the community we have in Orlando is great and I would – I mean, I put it on par with the community in college, which has just been really cool to see God work in that mm-hmm. way because I was not expecting that. Yeah, and me being someone who is newer and honestly, I – this sounds – I don't know if this is, like, the best biblical advice ever. But, like, I mean, I work at a church, but I wasn't really finding community. And I can go mm-hmm. a while without being known. It's, like, because I, I, I was telling these guys earlier, it is something I would rather speak to a crowd of 1,000, 2,000 and open up about my personal life there than sit in a circle of 12 and actually open up about my life in a group, which is it makes no sense to a lot of people. <laughs> but it's just the way that my mind works because I think I've always been used to being that person who – like presents their life and tells everyone it, but not someone who goes deeper with like a few. And so I'm thankful because I could have gone longer, but then it would be like a mental breakdown if I wasn't known. And I had friends like shout out to Caroline. She's probably going to listen and other friends who then introduced me to people who like, yeah, they may not go to my church, but they're people who are also in the same stage of life that I am and who are willing to get to know me and also willing to just be people that I can debrief with from work because I work at a church. Um, It's Mm -hmm. been so nice to have both. And so if that, it doesn't really relate to probably many of you listening to this podcast, but if that is you working at a church and you feel like you're not finding your community, try your local church, try your church, but also like, you know, look for the connections you do have and what God has given you and look for ways that he is showing you that there may be other people that you can grow with. Um, but I love what Jeff said about the local church because I think that is so important um, in how we grow community. 
But Nate, do you have anything else that you've learned in your wise years? Uh, of, that's a that's you, a strong you're word. You're an expert in twenty uh, <laughs> um, something lifestyle. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Um, yeah, I think Je- Jeff kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, but the whole idea of identity, and I think I think everybody is really looking for an identity. And I think especially when you're in your twenties and you're kind of just starting out in a certain career, or maybe you know, what's your career? Again? Oh, yeah. Civil engineering. engineering. Yeah. He's like, you're going to one day, Nate has a stream to build roller coasters. <laughs> Not exactly. But <laughs> I've created it for it. At I Disney. Created... <laughs> Disney hire, hire him. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think just the whole idea of what we put our identity in. And I think God has just blessed us with so many different, um, so many different things in our lives, whether it's like a career or relationships or friendships. And I think it's very easy and tempting for us to put our identity in those things, kind of like Jeff was hitting on a little earlier. Um, and I, one of the things I've learned really is just um, that that's, in a sense, a recipe for disaster. Um, I don't think, you know, we weren't created to have our full identity in any of these, like, I, although there are great things, I think the saying is, like, turning a, a good thing into an ultimate thing is never the way we want to go. Um our identity from, you know, what I've learned is that our identity, when it is placed in Christ and in his finished work on the cross, that's really going to be um, the recipe for uh, the most fulfilling life we can live. And I think that even can, like, you can factor in those, like, you know, relationships, career. Because I think when we make those, like, ultimate things, so, like, we talk about relationships. So if we make, if someone makes a relationship, like, their identity, you know, what's going to happen when, you get in a fight with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. It's like, it kind of goes from, oh man, we're like fighting. This isn't good. Like we need to figure this Mm -hmm. out. We need to sort this out to like, oh man, my entire, like everything about me is on the line here. If this doesn't go right. Yeah. When was the time you struggled with that? Like in any of those? I think, I I mean, I I say that all as a work in progress and like Uh I still actively struggle with that stuff. Can you name a moment in your life that you, there was Um, something, whether it was your career or anything that you were placing as your identity? Yeah, I mean, I mean, even growing up, Jeff hinted on it. Like I said, with athletics, I I remember growing up, and you just I'm a fan of basketball. I grew up playing basketball, and you just even in sports culture, you see so often athletes get interviewed and talking about like how they prepare for games or like their work ethic, and it's like, yeah, man, basketball is just my life. Like I know nothing else. This is who I am, and so that kind of gets. Uh, uh, implanted like, I mean, basketball in your mind. Is so boring. Like I really do really? like football. I like I really enjoy football. I'm yeah. not just like saying right, well, that. We'll pretend but... I played football then. Okay, um, yeah, so football, but I mean it's it's the same it's the same thing though, honestly. But um yeah, and I so I think even growing up I could tell, like I remember thinking when I was a kid, like I'm a basketball player. Like that's who I want my friends to know me as. That's who I want to be. Basketball player. Did you have like your uh but like on your AIM account was your uh, basketball jersey number, no. your AIM username. No, I think my you know? AIM was like Iowa fan or Iowa. something. Okay. I'm from Iowa, but um, but yeah, and then even today, I mean, like um, with things like career and uh, even relationships, I think relationships is an area that I've struggled with mm-hmm. in the past, as because I think that is like uh, that's one of like the best blessings I think as God has given us is relationships. Um, but that was never meant to be something that is an ultimate thing in our life that's going to define who we are. Mm-hmm. I think when we put that kind of pressure on relationships or really anything besides Christ, mm-hmm. it's not going to be able to hold up to that. And ultimately, we won't enjoy it like we are intended yeah. to. And something I've kind of believed is like, a, and this kind of goes on with your quote, like a good thing can be a bad thing if it's not a God thing. That if something isn't about God, whether mm-hmm. it is good or bad or whatever, how you present it, mm-hmm. then it's going to ultimately lead to destruction. And that can mm-hmm. be a good thing. That even can be like you dating a Christian guy, like as much as that's great, but if that's your foundation, mm-hmm. then you're going to crumble um, no matter how great the guy is because he's still broken. Um, yeah. Same with guys dating girls. It's like, congrats, you got the great girl, but like she's still not perfect. Or friendships, you have a great Christian community, but like whatever is your foundation should always be Christ. And mm-hmm. like even a bad thing can be a good thing if it's a God thing. There's just so many things in our lives that if we are creating our identity, it has mm-hmm. to always be pointed back at Christ. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we, uh, uh, it's like sometimes, uh, it's not that easy actually, it's not easy at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's the recipe? Okay, you've said no, the recipe yeah. bad, but like how do you actually make your identity? About um, I I mean I would love to hear Jeff's uh, input <laughs> on this as well because I'm sure he 
has got some great insight. But I, for me, honestly, it's a lot of prayer and a lot of going through tough times and realizing that the things you thought. So you have would, to go through tough times. I mean, I I don't know that you. I think it's I I think it would be hard not to go through tough times as any person on earth. I think you're going to face uh, trials at any uh, in any lifetime. Um, and I think, but that what's what's amazing about that is that that those trials are tough and it's tough to see like something that you maybe have placed your identity in fail you and realize that like that's not a good place to put my identity it's tough to see that but on the flip side it's like that's where god meets you and that's where you realize okay like when i put my identity in god i mean we forget like it's like he created us he knows he he knows who we are he knows what is going to bring the most fulfillment in our lives and to discover that and and then also get all the blessings with that it put in the rightful place, I think is worth a lot of the trials. Um, mm. I don't know if there's like an exact recipe. I think it, it honestly yeah. is just a lot like of you, prayer. And it's unique and, probably to each person. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like for me, I feel like in order to have my identity in Christ, I have to push myself. Like I've said earlier, I'm not good about being in small groups, but I have to push myself to open up to like a little amount of people because opening up myself to Christians who, yes, they may fail me, um, but people who can point me back to Christ that are tangible mm-hmm. examples, it helps me see Christ better. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd say I'd say it definitely does. Um, one one of those rec- like if there is a recipe, like disclaimer, this isn't authoritative, but like let's talk about some things that we know are good. Uh, one would be accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, having yeah. those few people, like you don't need to put your life on display. I know Grace does it professionally, but <laughs> some of us, not you my know. whole life. Okay. I want to make that clear for everyone out there. I don't no. I have secrets too. <laughs> yeah. So, but for me, it's like, I know that I need the two to three people I meet with regularly that like the beauty of those relationships is they know me and they know my blind spots better than I know those blind spots. Yeah. And they can be like, Hey, you've been out of line when it comes to blank. And like that is extremely helpful. And so part of that, like there's like three R's. I don't know. Is it Tim Keller that uses three R's? I don't know. Yeah, um, probably. But I just love alliteration. Alliteration is so easy just to remember. But part of like my whole idea of like, oh, what does it mean to be, you know, finding yourself instead of finding your spouse or I feel like I'm going to write a book about this. I'm not going to do that. But um, one of the things that, um, like, reflecting on this in preparation is, like, you know, at some point in your life, you have to establish rhythms, rituals, and relationships that challenge you in your faith and your own personal development. If you start doing those things well now, they will remain with you for the rest of your life. So say the three R's one more time. So the three, the three R's are rhythms, rituals, and relationships. And by ritual, I don't mean anything occult, like you don't have to go out into the woods and do something stupid. Like, I'm just talking about the ritual of meeting for a weekly small group, the ritual Mm -hmm. of spending time in the Word, the ritual of going to the Lord in prayer, finding communion Mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, I think, I don't know if Tanner Fox took this from someone else, but at one one time at the, like, the 20s thing, he said, like, when duty becomes choice, that's, like, the ultimate, like, glory or that's when you have this beautiful relationship and so something Mm -hmm. that may be like a duty like a ritual like okay every week i have to do this but then it becomes this choice that you've made that affects yours that's what i look at rituals i'm just yeah no i would agree i'd agree with that and also like when it comes to like what i talk about with like rhythms is like maybe that's rhythms yeah well it could be either one one thing i I like about the idea of rhythm though is it's kind of like this idea of this steady thing like rituals could be like oh maybe i do this once a year like i have a retreat where i spend two days just kind of like in solitude um but rhythms it's really this idea of like you know i work then i rest like i need to find time to process and introspect and really dig into like what is going on in my life how can i take this before the lord so that he can show me where i'm going off track yeah like that's where i think this comes into the uh, kind of the fullness of like, what is this recipe? It's like, you know, if we're bringing our life before the Lord, if we're comparing it to his commands in the word, if we're going into like this detail of what does it look like to live a Christian life, you know your life and you know what the Lord, in if you're, you know, in the word, you're knowing what it says your life should reflect, you can see the disparities. And mm-hmm. then those accountability partners come in and say, you know, we see those disparities. And a lot of times because we're broken, we need that help. 
We yeah. need people that'll step in and say, you know what? I know it's easy for you to keep this a secret, or I know it's easy for you to hide this and not bring it in front of people. I'll ask you about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll come before you and bear that awkwardness and bear that, you know, the sacrifice it takes to be in true relationship with somebody and say, I'll take the initiative and I'll make the sacrifice for the betterment of you. And I think that's valid for every relationship, platonic mm-hmm. friendship or romantic like initiative and sacrifice has to be there so Mm -hmm. that's kind of how i look at those yeah yeah no i think that's good now jeff do you have any other points that you've learned yeah so Um, we've talked about this i hope y'all know jeff has like a typed notes i am so impressed i just would like to give a shout out and nate has ripped off Uh, no paper notes but you know what then i have no notes so jokes on me i just look at my you're the most talented no it's 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 i speak from the spirit not from amen not from preparation i know that i can ramble so i like to have a home base when i talk about stuff that way i don't No, i love it but go to page two and tell me what it says go into page two so kind of the last point and this speaks to the comparison this speaks to the identity but ultimately what does all that mean is, you know, your journey is your own. No one can walk it for you. Fight that desire to compare. Every stage of your life, you're going to be drawn into comparison. Your ego, your pride, everything that makes you a sinful human being is begging you to look outside of yourself for validation. Mm -hmm. And if you look inside, you're not going to be very, like the reason we look outside is because we're not happy with what's inside. And so the only time that we're able to kind of come down and say, you know, this is who I am, is at the cross. Mm. We can be fully present there. We can be fully ourself. We don't have to be the athlete or the brainiac or, you know, the popular person or the humorous person. Like, you can set all that aside, all these things that other people place value on you with, and you can say, this is me. You can be known. You can be fully loved. And from that point, you can move out into the world. And it even comes back to that mission, that vocation. I mean, vocare, the Latin is to call. What is the calling on your life? This is um, so wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, what is the Lord calling you into? Mm. I, I don't think you can hear that call until you've come, you know, and bared it all for, for mm. Jesus because mm. that's what he did for us. Like his work liberates us to look into those questions in a true way that doesn't allow us to seek our validation outside of us. Um, and so, like, one of the verses I love, and if you don't read the Psalms as a believer, read the Psalms. I know they're weird. I know a lot of the metaphors and stuff are outdated. Like, no one's talking about flocks of goats and other, everything else today. Like, the cultural context is weird. But there's so much beauty in them. You could read the mess. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. But the, the Psalm that I want to draw from is Psalm 143, verse 8, where it says, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For to you I entrust my life. Mm -hmm. And so what I love that the psalmist does here is he basically says, you know, in the morning, at the beginning of every day, bring me word of your unfailing love. Remember the cross. Remember what the gospel is. Because we've put our trust in it. Like if we claim to be faithful believers, if we claim, even just believers in general, if we claim to be Christian, we have to say that we've put our trust on the cross and then show me the way I should go for to you I entrust my life. It's this idea that, Lord, you have me. You don't have me to be Nate. You don't have me to be Grace. You have me to be me. Like this is what you're placing on my life to do and vice versa. They can't come in and be me, nor should they want to. Um, And it's just coming into that realization, I think, is, you know, when times get hard, we talked about tough times, like everything you want in a tough time is like, I don't have it as easy as so-and-so, but when they're in their tough time, you don't desire it probably. You know, the only thing that we desire from tough times is because I think oftentimes people that go through hardship are glorified and we want the glory. We don't want, we don't want what they're going through. We don't want the cancer. We don't want the divorce. We don't want the hard things in life that people endure. We want the praise that comes with endurance. And so, With that, one of my points was I have a hard time naming a positive motivation for driving myself into comparison with someone else. Can you explain what that means? Sorry. Um, A positive motivation that... So what Dumb it down for me. So what I mean by that is like, is there a positive thing that drives me to compare my looks to Nate's looks? That's a good point. And for those of you that can't see us, Nate is a better looking guy. That's not true. (laughs) 
and he's also very kind. And so, but with that, what I mean is, you know, the positive, like the motivation for me wanting to compare my looks to Nate is to say that I don't think that I look as good as Nate. And I want to look as good as Nate. Yeah. And so, or, you know, my pot or my motivation to compare myself to Nate's job is, oh man, Nate makes probably more money than I do. I wish I had that money. And it's like, those aren't the things that give us life. And that's not what the Lord calls us to, is to compare yeah. our journey that he's set before us with everyone else. It, yeah. It's each unique to the individual. And so and that's I think what I there's mean a, I once wrote an article that did really well about a topic similar to what you're talking about now with comparison that girls will a lot of time play this game. I don't know if guys play this game. They're like, Oh, like this guy got a new girlfriend. Like, let's look her up. Like, do you think I'm prettier than her? And then like, the, no guys don't do that. It's, well, it's awful. It's an awful game. Uh-huh. It's like this where well, you're set up for failure though. Cause it's like, sometimes I'm like, you know, maybe that girl is prettier than you. Like mm-hmm. that's your ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend. Or maybe like this competition that I think women a lot of times like to add in their life. Um, we've allowed community to be about, like, we, like, allowed, uh, the best way to say is, like, we compete against people that are meant to be our teammates. Like, this whole time Mm -hmm. that we are spending Mm -hmm. racing the wrong people when we should just be going towards Christ. And the people, Mm -hmm. whether it's your ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend, whether it's even the gut girl who cheated or was a cheaty with your boyfriend, Mm -hmm. they are your teammates. And you comparing yourself to them isn't part of a team strategy. Um, if you're as a team, you're just figuring out how am I going to work with this? Like, and that's how I'm going to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something I know girls struggle with, but it's, even though it doesn't look as vicious as <laughs> my girls does it, it's nice to know that guys also struggle with comparison. All the time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Before we end, there's a couple of things I want to do. I still have my ask grace section. Um, and also I wanted to ask you about what is something you wish girls knew? About guys. Nate's going to take the first oh, lead on yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, you know what? You know I'm what? actually not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, I don't... you agreed to come on here. I did, I did. Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's a really tough question. Um, Jeff and I were kind of discussing it earlier um, before the podcast. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think we kind of hit on it a little earlier, I guess. I think it's just that um, guys have emotions, too, and guys harbor a lot of stuff, too. Um and that is kind of this joint thing that we share just as human beings. And so um, I think that manifests differently in men, obviously. And I think men are uh, less eager to share those things. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's something – and I don't say that for sympathy or anything. I think I say that more as a, a means to come together um, and maybe not just uh, cast stereotypes on – each other um yeah I don't know I uh I think it's a tough question but um yeah no I think I like that y'all have said that reiterated this because even as me someone who am I wise 22 years of living <laughs> uh, it's you forget that guys go through like sin sin and that we all struggle with it and sin deprives us from the relationship with Christ and at the end of the day whether it's comparison whether it's uh attacks in other ways, whether it's hard trials, that we're all struggling this together, that it's not harder to be a woman. I think it's easy to be like, it's so much harder to be a woman. It's hard to be a human in this life. And so, because mm-hmm. sin is destructing us. Um, and yeah. it has nothing to do with anything else other than, um, like, the enemy. It has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with us and our desire to look towards him and not God. Mm-hmm. So it's always comforting to see that. Do you have anything to add on that, Jeff? No, no, we definitely came to the same conclusion on that where it was just, you know, and I th- I think women are coming around to this. Like men have deep rooted, like strong emotional lives. And I think the hard part of that is we grew up in a culture that doesn't, I mean, you hear the term toxic masculinity thrown around. I do think toxic masculinity is a true thing, but it's not masculinity itself that's toxic. Mm-hmm. It's this repressed nature of, you know, we haven't allowed our men to grow into be men. <laughs> so uh, that could be its own episode in one more address to the guys, all two of you listening. We love you. I, you know, I get some guy viewers all the time. They yeah. message me. Both of us. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can actually see my portions of male to female, and I think it's like 20%. So, hey. yeah. yeah. Well, What's guys, up, guys? Out there, we we, we want to talk to you someday. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was just, it, it was a really hard question because, even on the flip side, 
And yeah, you can have the fun conversation around like, oh, I just wish guys knew this, or I wish girls knew that, so that mm-hmm. life would be so much simpler. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost hard to impose a I wish you did this value on someone else that is by nature very different from you. Mm-hmm. Like men and women are not the same. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to say, I want you to meet me at my level. But one thing I think we can all do is, like, let's try to meet each other where we're at. Yeah. yeah. And I think that the essence of that is clear communication, clear intentions, clear expectation. Like, when I'm talking to you, like, this is what I mean and this is what I expect out of out of our friendship, out of our relationship. It's like this inability to um, communicate well, which I think is fostered by technology. I think technology generally sucks. Um, we didn't get into the Android yeah, conversation. I, uh, I know. I was, that was yeah. one of my points. Yeah, yeah, okay, and this were... group text has been, honestly, ignore my language real quick, pissing me off <laughs> because Jeff has a droid. But I used to have a droid too, Jeff. That's what you don't understand. In college, I even had a droid. So I, I can meet you where you're at. I know how it feels. Oh, look at that. But at the same time, I know that when I switched to iPhone, my life went better. But I have a big SoundCloud view count because the whole time I've been looking at my viewers based on SoundCloud because you can't look up your viewers based on the iPhone. Um, so I thought that was like my whole viewers. And so I feel bad because I know I have a lot of Jordan people listening. Mm-hmm. But time again, iPhone. But that's well, no, that's off talk tangent. But anyways, I want to do the Ask Grace section. So yeah. if you don't know this, um, part of my podcast too recently is people can email me asking me for advice that I answer with my friends or whoever's on the podcast. And so I switched the name usually to something basic like Emily. So it's her name's not Emily, but like I'm saying her name's Emily. But she emailed me and said, and I have guy people on my podcast, people – even though we're all the same, they're going to help me with this one because I can't really answer it. Hey, Grace, it's Emily. Um, I have a question for your podcast. I would like to know how you know if a guy really likes you or if he's into you because there is this guy and I'm really confused about with and can't tell. And so, I mean, I have my opinions, but my opinions comes from me being stupid, so. <laughs> Foo. Uh, I think... <laughs> I, I, by no means am I speaking from a place of yeah. This isn't a, this isn't like all guys in general. These are just two people that happen. To be I mean, I, I I think there's a lot of factors we don't know about the situation. I think <laughs> Emily, I think if it's a guy, what I'll say is if it's a guy worth um, investing in, then you would know if he liked you because he would be intentional good. with you. Um, I'm a big believer in that too. If you're confused. And it's like the, oh, are we talking or are we not phase? Then at the end of the day, if a guy wants to date you, he'll date you. Um, yeah. Maybe. No, that was me as maybe, a girl saying yeah. that. No, I think, I think that's true. I think it, it really is dependent on, like, the situation. Yeah. Um, but, that yeah, I, that's, that's what I'd say. I don't know if Jeff's got it. Oh, do I. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again, very specific situation, Emily, if you're listening. Um, so... Like what Nate said, if it's any guy that's worth your time, you're not going to be confused about where he stands or where you stand in his eyes. Um, And again, speaking for myself and also out of a position of, yeah, my insecurities get the best of me a lot of times. And sometimes there's this girl that you're like so intimidated by. But it's like if I'm not willing to take the initiative and make the sacrifice that's required to ask you out on a date clearly – with those expectations, I'm not ready for what's about to come in a relationship. Yeah. Like yeah. if I can't take that one step that gets you from the barrier of, I don't know how she feels about me to, Oh, I want to date you for a period of time with the potential of us getting married for life. Like not to put super big, you know, looming, Oh, marriage is always the outcome. Don't take that from that. But it's like, if he wants to get to know you and he wants to be your significant other like initiative and sacrifice are always going to be the two things that I think any man should be willing to take on for the women in his life and so he's going to take that initiative and he's going to be willing to make the sacrifice and sometimes that sacrifice is being told no and being outright rejected and wounding your own pride and ego thinking that she would go out with you no I'm just kidding (laughs) but um at the same time it's like you know I'm not really someone that dates very often but when I've, at least at my healthiest, when I've tried it, I've been very clear about, listen, I w- I've, you know, gotten to know you well. I want to take you out to dinner or do something that's a little out of the ordinary for friends. And, like, it'd be cl- very clear that, like, I want to take you on a date. Like, I want to get to know you romantically. Mm-hmm. Romantically yeah. is such a loaded word. Uh, 
intentionally, <laughs> I guess is the Christian word of the hour. Yeah. yeah. So, I hope that helps, Emily. Yeah. And if yeah, that Emily. guy's listening, yeah, go I hope for he's it, buddy. Listening. Yeah. Go like, for you it. need to make your intentions clear. Yeah. Let's not yeah. play with Emily's move, heart. Guy. Yeah. Save Emily's heart. This is for Emily. Um, and then um, I just want to end on one tangent with that. It's also so important, I think, and y'all can disagree with me, that girls affirm guys too when they make moves, like asking someone on a date. Like, one date doesn't mean that, like, end all be all, you're going to get married. But I think a lot of guys don't ask girls on dates because of how much we've culturally made it to be like a marriage or like a mm-hmm. big event or that things will be awkward after. Um, and I'm someone who I'm probably, and I've noticed I'm very intimidating. It's just also having a podcast, a book, like, it's just like be a little intimidating. And so I feel like in my life I've had to like agree not to like immediately write an open letter to the guy one time dated. Like, you know, those are things that you have to without their approval. And so, um, that's just something I feel like we also have to be able to affirm guys when they do things. And even if you don't want to go on the date, you don't have to go on anything you don't want to. But it's also to be like, hey, that was awesome you did that. Um, if we want more men to step up, we have to be able to affirm them when they do step up. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree. I was actually having a similar conversation over lunch with one of our friends today, kind of about that dynamic um, in our own friend group, actually. <laughs> and yeah. so it was just this idea of like, you know, Yes, the men need to take on that initiative. I do believe that there is a biblical role in that, um, just a masculine role of taking the initiative and leading relationship. But at the same time, I think that, I forget who used this term. And at one point in my life, I heard, and this this came from a woman, saying like, you can kind of lay out the welcome mat, or <laughs> that one's like too weird. One of, so, I'm so, trying to understand this some of, our, some of our girls say, just, like, drop I'm, a handkerchief. Like, they can provide opportunity for guys to step into, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, here. Like, uh, yeah. like, yeah, it's like, I'm here. I'm, you know, help me. <laughs> see, help. No, see, that's the worst because when when I, 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 no offense, I disagree with that because I feel like normally when I am interested, I close myself off. Mm. But that's just thinking that depends on the person. Right, so and this is like, all individual this, stuff. If you're waiting for a welcome mat, what does a welcome mat look like? Does it look like a, like a hi, how's yeah. it going? Like, is it a pat on the back? Because I pat people on the back all the time. Like, now I'm scared. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, not trying to escalate things. But. And if we, if we go back to, like, the very beginning of this podcast, when I said there's no rules for dating, <laughs> yes, okay. this is the moment that I meant it for. <laughs> and, like, what do I do? I don't know. Be yourself. Like, you're all going to do different yeah. stuff. Yeah. And you're all going to have different expectations of what a date looks like, what a dating relationship should be. And so at the heart of it, it comes back to being clear. Clear intentions, clear yes. communication, clear expectation. And if those happen to match up, you might find yourself in a wonderful, healthy dating relationship. If they don't, you might need to work through some stuff. Okay, last <laughs> question now. What is giving you life these days? What is something you're excited to wake up for? It can be something fun. It can be uh, something... Uh, I think well, so I I've been playing a lot of basketball lately, so that's been nice. But uh, I also so great. I love basketball. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, Yeah, so much better than football. But um, (laughs) (laughs) no, Uh, I've also started uh, leading a young life Bible study. Oh, I saw middle school boys. Yeah, bless your soul. It's been it's been really cool. I love that you like middle school boys. It's been really cool. you should have yeah. done purity day, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I'll outsource that to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jeff, what is again giving you life these days? And then I'm probably going to ask myself the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I think for me, like what's truly been giving me life these days, and I just love that this podcast hit when it did, is community. Mm. Um, because, I mean, not getting too deeply into like what's recently happened, but like my community's really rallied around me in the last like year and a half. Mm. And so I think being cared for, like, really changed a lot of my perspective on life. Uh, not, that's almost a little dramatic. But just experiencing life with the people that God's placed around me mm-hmm. right now. Like, and that comes in all forms, like Nate said, playing basketball. I'm not a basketball player, but just the, the openness we have to say, like, hey, come suck with us on the court. Like, <laughs> you're going like, to – I know I'm going to be terrible, but they're very encouraging, like, including better. people. I'm getting better. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it's just – experiencing being cared for in a community mm-hmm. like just empowers people and yeah. i love yeah. feeling that empowerment in myself and also like just really am kind of leaning into how can i be intentional and do that for others like how can we share that um yeah feeling mm-hmm. with other people um so. and i'd say for me i think lately in this I'm, i usually do fun ones but 
I've learned, I have a lot of students who are different than me in my youth group, and I have relied so much on, like, my cool factor. Like, I don't, I'm not saying I'm cool, but, you're like, you know, cool. just She's a small cool. flex. No, I'm cool. joking. But, like, with students, high school people think I'm cool. Not mm. always, like, my age, like, because it's, like, maybe more Instagram followers. But these, I've had students who now I have nothing in common with. They don't care about certain things. And now I'm, like, trying to bridge this relationship with them when our lives were different. We've had different moments, um, honestly. And I've asked her permission before to share like this, but like I have two students who are pregnant at 17 Mm -hmm. from a different culture than me. And it's one thing where I'm just relying on the gospel so much to be the only thing we relate to. And that has been so challenging at times, which you think it'd be easy, but at the same time, it's been better than any other relationship when I've spiritually poured into someone. So it's taught me that I don't need to rely on anything that's of me. And when I do, it just will fail. And mm-hmm. so that's something I feel like I've been learning. And it's been making me get up and not be tired. So thank you all no, so much for coming amen. on the podcast. I really appreciate everything you have to say. A lot of wisdom. They may start their own podcast. So if you have any thoughts on that, message me. Um, tell me a name you think or a common theme mm. um, that they should talk about. And so this is Jeff and Nate. So their first uh, ever recording. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I would love for you to subscribe, leave a rating, five stars like you give your Uber driver. It'd mean a lot. If you enjoyed this, screenshot it and tag my Instagram at the Grace Valentine or on Twitter at GraceV96. You can go to www.gracevalentine.org if you want to know more about my blog, my book, or anything else. Also, if you would like to have your question answered on the Ask Grace and Friends, please email me at grace at gracevalentine.org and I will answer your questions. Goodbye. Talk to y'all later.